Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. My name is Joe, and I'm one of the leaders here, and we're so thankful that you have come to be with us today. We are wrapping up our Christmas series that we've titled, What's This World Coming To? And we began this series a few weeks ago by looking at the story from a Bible of a king named Ahaz, who was leading God's people during a time when they were being surrounded by other nations and warring armies. They were besieged and filled with fear, gripped with fear so much so that the Bible said their knees shook and quaked and they all shook like trees in the wind. They were so hopeless. And in the midst of that hopelessness and fear and turmoil, they began to cry out something like, what is this world coming to. And in the middle of that story, God sent to them a man, a prophet named Isaiah, who approached the king and said to the king, God wants to give you a sign to assure you that he's going to be with you forever, to to give you hope so that when you are filled with fear, you can look to him. And here's the sign that the prophet Isaiah promised to the king Ahaz. He said, God is going to make sure of this, that one day a virgin will conceive and she'll give birth to a son and they're going to give him a nickname. That nickname is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. If we fast forward 700 years in history, we see a story from the Bible told about a woman named Mary, a virgin who gives birth to a baby in this little town in Israel called Bethlehem. And this baby, Jesus, is the fulfillment of the promise God made so many years ago, the promise that he would be with us. And so now when we look around the world and we see things pressing in on us and we feel life besieging us, we no longer have the option to say, what's this world coming to? But because of the hope that's come into this world through Jesus, we now get to say, look what's come into the world. God has given us hope through his son, Jesus. The next week we learned that that God has sent into the world his peace through his son, Jesus. And this isn't the peace that we get from the world. It isn't a peace that we obtain by our own violence and where as we overpower the thing that's coming against us and get peace by that. It's not a peace that we obtain by virtue and that we're able to to live a good and moral life and have everything together so that our lives are peaceful. It's not a peace that's obtained by our vices and that we medicate ourselves with alcohol or carbs. It's actually a peace that that comes from God himself and lives deep within us, a peace that transcends all of our ability to understand how we can feel calm and stable in certain situations. 
We also learned last week that, that what's come into this world is joy, God's great joy. In fact, when Jesus was born, a group of angels announced it to the world by saying, God is giving you good news of great joy for everyone. And this joy that he's brought into the world isn't happiness because it's not dependent on what happens to us. It isn't dependent upon our circumstances so that the things that are going on in my life dictate whether or not I'm joyous, but it too, like the peace from God, comes from God and dwells within and gives us a joy that does not change regardless of what our life looks like all around us. Now, there were many things we could have spoken about in this series of what has come into the world because Jesus has come into the world. There are, in fact, many things that we think about at Christmas time. Christmas time brings up all sorts of pictures in our minds. There is hope, there is joy, there is peace that we think of. Some of you think of Christmas music. Some of you think of time with family. Some of you think of giving gifts. Some of you think of fudge, hallelujah. But we think of all sorts of different things. And some of you, and I won't ask you to raise your hands because I don't want my perception of you to change. But some of you either last week or this week have done something like this. You bundled yourself up in an evening and you joined other like-minded people and you thought it was a good idea to go knock on the door of a random stranger. And when that random stranger was kind enough to open the door for you, you began to sing to them as though they paid for a ticket to your concert? Have you ever been a part of Christmas caroling? It's the weirdest thing in the world. It's uncomfortable for everybody involved. <laughs> and the person whose door you've gone to has to stand there because it's Christmas time and we have to be nice to each other and they're waiting. Oh, great, wonderful. Here's some, here's some candy so you'll leave, please. And then you sing another song. Oh, they gave us candy. How about another tune for you? No, they want you to go. So if you're caroling at Christmas, maybe, maybe think about not. <laughs> next year, but I, I'm not here to judge you. I, I want to talk about the things that we think about at Christmas time. And something that, that we're going to discuss today is something that's not often considered as a Christmas theme, and that is love. Love has come in to this world. And we don't often uh, find that word associated with Christmas. We do think of hope and joy and peace. We think of lights and bells and family and gifts, but love is not often attached. In fact, love has its own pagan holiday that we celebrate, Valentine's Day. You won't find the word love in either of the stories of Jesus' birth in the Bible. All this week as I've been preparing this message, I've had the song, What's Love Got to Do With It, running through my head. <laughs> Hope that I can get it stuck in your heads now as we talk about <laughs> this today and consider, what does love have to do with it? Well, if we open up the Bible and look through it from front to back, we'll see that the story of the entire Bible is one of God's love. What's come into this world is God's love for us, and I want us to study that today. But before we do, I would like for us to pause and take a moment and pray and ask God to help us understand. So would you pray with me? Lord, we are so thankful for your love that has come into this world. I pray as we, as we discuss it today, as we consider it, as we study it, that you would teach us more about it, that you would help us to see how much you truly love us because the Bible says we love you because you first loved us. And when we understand how much you love us, we can love you more which is what we all truly want. So Lord, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 
The story of Jesus' birth is given in a, a couple of the biographies of Jesus, or gospels, we call them. The book or the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Luke. And the gospel of Matthew and the gospel of Luke deal with the who, the what, the where and the when of Jesus's birth. They handle all the details. They talk about the context of what was happening in the world at the time. They talk about the context of what it may have looked like in Bethlehem at the time. They give us the stories of the people's lives. It's in these books that we have the stories about shepherds who were keeping watch over their flock at night and angels came to them and began to say to them, you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. We find the story of angels announcing to Mary, a virgin, that one day she's going to give birth to a son and she's blown away that she, a virgin, would be having a son. We find these stories in the book of Matthew and Luke. But what we don't really get in those stories is the why Jesus came. We get the who, the what, the where, the when, but we don't really get the why. And to get the why, we have to look to a gospel, a book named John. And in chapter three, it gives us this idea of what was happening when God decided to, to project his love into this world. He gives us the why of why he did that. And in John, there's a verse that most of us are probably familiar with. Even if you don't have any kind of background in the church, even if you have no background in faith, you've probably at least seen this verse plastered on a sign at a football game. And it's John 3.16 which says God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in this only son of God would not perish but have eternal life. You see, this is the love that God has sent into the world. This is why God sent his son Jesus into the world. This is why Jesus was born because God loved us so much. Now, it's important for us to understand that before Jesus came to this world, love did exist in the world. There was already love between parents and children. Before Jesus came into the world, there was already love between husbands and wives. There was already love between friends and colleagues. There was even love existing between siblings. I had a moment recently where I, I came to believe for a moment that my brother Billy actually loved me. And I'll tell you why. He was sharing with me that, that when he knows I'm speaking here at church, he goes to the Renaissance podcast and he listens to my message. And I felt really special for a moment. Like my brother listens to my, my brother who grew up with me, who knows some of the worst and darkest things about me. He actually listens to my sermons. And then I learned that the reason he does that is so he can turn the podcast speed on halftime and it sounds like I'm drunk while I'm preaching. <laughs> So no, he doesn't really love me, but love existed in the world before Jesus came. There is though a difference between the love that already existed in the world and God's love that he has given to us. See, God's love is different because it isn't attached to an emotion. It isn't attached to just a feeling or a way that we think or experience the world. God's love is shown to us in a person with flesh and blood and bones, who had an actual birth, who lived an actual life, who spoke to living people. He was a person in actual history who was killed and who God actually raised from the dead. 
See, God's love is different from all other love that exists or has existed in the world because his love is given to us in the person of his son, Jesus. And so order, in order to get a better picture of this, I'd like for us to turn to the Bible and, and take a look at the story of when the angel first announced to Jesus's mother that she was going to be giving birth. So if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter one, verse 27. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can look underneath a seat around you and find a black Bible and you can turn to page 855 in that Bible. We'll also put the words on the screen for you. But I want to read this story to give us a little bit of an idea of the, the wonderful nature of God coming into the world through his son, Jesus. It tells us in Luke 1, 27, that God sent an angel to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, who was of the house of David. And this virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you're going to conceive in your womb, and you're going to bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. What a birth announcement for this person. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. Mr. Angel, I don't know if you understand how this works, but I, I can't have children. And the angel answered her, well, listen, silly girl, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. He'll be the Son of God. And listen, you have a cousin, Elizabeth, who's never been able to have children. And she's an old woman now. And check this out. She's already six months pregnant. And verse 37 says, why? Because nothing will be impossible with God. I wanted to read this because it gives us the, the context in which God's love came into the world, in the setting of the miracle of childbirth. And not just a normal childbirth, but a virgin birth. Now this idea that Jesus was born of a virgin, this truth, this, this teaching, this, this, this thing from the Bible that tells us that Jesus was born of a virgin is a difficult thing for many of us to comprehend. It's in fact what some people or the Bible would call a stumbling block. It's a thing that's in the way of some of us to actually have faith in Jesus because some of us have scientific minds that we can't wrap our heads around the idea that a virgin could actually conceive in her womb and have a son. And because of that, it keeps many people from Believing. Now, I don't have a, a really good scientific argument to explain why or how Jesus was born of a virgin. I don't have a great theological argument to explain why or how Jesus was born of a virgin. But I'll tell you this. There are many things in the world that I do not comprehend how they work, but I believe they still work that way. For example, I couldn't tell you how electricity runs from that switch to these lights when you hit the switch. I couldn't tell you how that works to save my life. I couldn't hang a piece of drywall to save my life, but I know that somebody picked up a drill once, I think, and 
They fastened it to the wall. We don't have to comprehend how everything works in order to know that something is true. And don't we pray for God to do miracles that are just as great, if not greater than causing his son to be formed in the womb of a virgin? If we know someone or if someone that we love is sick, don't we ask God to take care of them? Don't we ask God to heal them and, and reverse the effects of the illness that they have? Don't we believe that God could do a miracle that powerful in that moment? And why would we trip up on the virgin birth of Jesus? And some of you uh, are, are asking for God to fix your marriage, and yet you're still a terrible spouse. And you believe that God would actually perform a miracle and fix your marriage, even though you're a terrible spouse. That is a greater miracle than the virgin birth even, and we accept that without hesitation. It's important for us to, to look at this and understand that, that God coming into the world through the womb of a virgin is so significant for several reasons. One of them being that if Jesus was born of a virgin, it means he's special. He's different from everyone else. I don't know anyone else who was born of a virgin. I bet you don't either. And if you told me that you did, I'd probably not believe you. He's special. That Jesus was born of a virgin, it tells us that he did not have an earthly father. And if he did not have an earthly father, who must his father have been? God. That Jesus was born of a virgin, it tells us that he is a divine person. He is God living in human flesh. And it also tells us that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises. You remember earlier I mentioned that God spoke through this prophet Isaiah and said one day a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And 700 years later, this took place. The birth of Jesus, the virgin birth of Jesus is a significant event in the world. And it is a miraculous event. And it's important for us to see that because if nothing is impossible with God, even to the point that he can cause a baby to be formed in the womb of a virgin, then nothing can stop his love from entering the life of anyone. Even for those of us who feel that we're impossible to love. Even for the people around us that we think are impossible to love. Even the people I don't love. Even the people who don't love me, as terrible as they must be. God's love is possible for all of them. And the proof of that is that Jesus, God's son, came into this world through the womb of a virgin. Nothing can stop his love from entering this world. The virgin birth of Jesus is so important because it shows us that God's love reaches beyond any human limitation. It reaches beyond anything that, that we think could normally stop him from loving us, and it shows us how different his love is for all of us. I mentioned earlier that God's love is different for us because it came to us in the form of a person, but it's also different because, as John said, God so loved the world. His love is different because he's actually capable of loving every person. Some of us probably know someone that we would say of them, oh, she loves everybody. 
Oh, he loves everybody. There's not a person he or she doesn't love. Well, that's actually not a true statement because no one has met every person in the world and been tested with whether or not they actually can love every person in the world. But God's love is different in that he knows every one of us. He knows everything about us, everything good and everything bad. And yet he still loves us. This is what makes his love different. And his love is also different because it lasts forever. John said, whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God's love is eternal. The Bible says that the love of God endures forever. It's not like human love that is so fickle and changes from one day to the next and feels vibrant and full one point and then feels empty and lonely at the next. It's not like human love because his love never changes because it doesn't depend on any circumstance or how he's feeling. It depends on who he is. And the Bible says that God is love. His love is different because his love never changes. John also tells us that his love is a gift. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. And this gift that he has given to us is not an exchange in the sense that we might think of a gift exchange. Now, some of us have participated in gift exchanges already this year. Maybe you've already exchanged gifts with friends and family. Maybe you've participated in a white elephant gift exchange. Maybe some of you had a secret Santa gift exchange like the staff here at the church did on Friday night. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with a secret Santa gift exchange, what it looks like is this. Everybody who's participating writes their name down on a piece of paper. And you fold that up and you put it into a hat. And then everyone goes around, you shake up the hat and you take a name out. And whosever name you get, that's who you're going to buy a gift for. I always hope I'm going to get me, but it never, never works out that way. But it's assumed that everyone who pulls a name out of the hat, they're going to get a gift for someone. If you put your name in the hat, you're going to get a gift for someone. And so we participated in this event the other night where we exchanged gifts. God's love is not a gift exchange. He gives us his love freely, knowing we have nothing of equal value to give him in return. Knowing that we have nothing we can offer him as a gift. He gives us his love freely because we are helpless and hopeless without him. Now, I got to experience this kind of love a little bit at the Secret Santa Exchange the other night because my Secret Santa did not show up. I know. So we came towards the end of the gift exchange and how it works is one person starts and they pick up their gift and they give it to someone else and then that person goes and gets their gift and gives it to someone else and finally it came around so there was two of us left and my gift, which was very thoughtful and nice by the way. And so it came time where I was going to get to stand up and, and give this gift away. And in that moment, as I'm handing this gift to the person whose secret Santa I was, I experienced God's love in that way, knowing that I'm not getting anything in return for this. <laughs> God's love is not an exchange. I didn't get an exchange. I just gave. Now, I'm not going to say this person's name because I don't want to embarrass him, but his initials are TJ. <laughs> but I'm not bitter about it because it helped me experience God's love or something in the middle of it. But 
His love is a gift that is not an exchange. He knows we have nothing to give him, that nothing to offer him, no, nothing of value to place before him. He just freely gives us himself and says, I love you and I want you to be in relationship with me. His love is not an exchange and it's also not manipulative. So many of us give gifts to other people because we want to change their perception of us. We hope that their opinion of us will either become greater or different. I bet there are several husbands in the room who have at one point or another bought flowers for their wife because they made a mistake the day before. We give a lot of I'm sorry gifts to one another. We give a lot of I hope you see me differently gifts to one another. But God's love is not like this. It's not manipulative because he has nothing to prove. He just is who he is. He doesn't change whether we uh, return his love or not. He doesn't change whether we believe in his love or not. He has nothing to prove to us. His love is not manipulative. He just freely gives it. And, and one of the greatest things about his love is this. It is exactly what we need. Several times at our staff Christmas party the other night, I heard these words. Is that something that you wanted? Does it fit? Is that something that you like? And I'm sure you've asked those same things and you've probably been asked those same things and you always say yes, whether it's true or not because it's Christmas and you have to be nice. But, but God never wonders if the gift of his love that he's given to us actually is what we need because he knows what we need. His love fits us perfectly. His love fills every empty space in our hearts like nothing else can. His love is exactly what we need because his love is the perfect gift for us. But when we are presented with the truth of God's love, we often find ourselves looking at two options. We can either choose to receive it, which is what most people do when they're given a gift. I've never rejected a gift that anyone, anyone's wanted to give me, even if I hated it. I'm sure you haven't either. I'm sure you've never had someone reject a gift that you wanted to give to them because we typically receive the gifts that we'll give to one another, whether we want them or not. But so often we willingly reject the gift of God's love that he's freely giving to us. And I think there are a few reasons why we reject his love. Some of us are rejecting his love because we think we're unworthy of his love. We don't think we deserve it. We, we think we've done too much wrong to, to be worthy of God's love. And I can just say this. The truth is we are unworthy of God's love. We have done too much to earn it. We have done too much to be worthy of his love. But that's the beauty of his love is that he gives it to us even though we are unworthy. He gives it to us even though we don't deserve it. He presents it to us even though we've done nothing to earn it just because he loves us. We are unworthy. So that shouldn't stop us from receiving his love. Some of us reject his love because we're givers and we'd rather have something to give. Some people are really great at giving gifts to others and sometimes those people are really bad at receiving gifts from other people. 
Some of us think that we need to do all we can to earn God's love and earn God's favor. And so we do as much as we can, hoping that he'll be pleased with us, hoping that if we give him enough time and effort and labor, that somehow he will love us. But his love doesn't work that way. When we do that, what we're doing is rejecting his love because his love is a free gift. And he says, I just want you to receive it without doing anything for it in return. Some of us, some of us reject God's love because we feel guilty about receiving it. We feel guilty because maybe, maybe we had nothing to give in return. I was with a friend the other day who bought me a Christmas present. He said, Joe, I have a Christmas present for you. And I thought to myself, well, that's great. I bought you nothing. But I received it humbly and felt kind of bad that I had this really thoughtful and kind and nice gift that he put thought and effort into and it meant a lot to me and I set it aside and just sat there kind of oddly because I had nothing to give in return. It's kind of like when we go through the drive through at Starbucks and the barista sticks his head out the window and said, the person in front of you just paid for you. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so wonderful. He says, this has been happening since first thing this morning. The, the first car that came through the drive-through, they paid for the person behind them. And then that person paid for the person behind them. This has been happening for six hours. He looks at you with wide eyes and a toothy grin as though to say, do you want to pay for the person behind you? And none of us do. We just feel like we have to because we don't want to receive without giving something in return. How about the next time they try to get you to pay it forward, you just say no and drive on. <laughs> say, praise God, I'm going to receive my gift and go. <laughs> try that next time. See how that works out. Stop this pay it forward kind of thing. We're going to be people who receive love or something like that. But we reject God's love because we feel guilty because we have nothing to give him in return. And we also reject God's love because we don't think we need it. Some of us think that our lives are all together and that we have enough in our success and in our wealth and in our toys and in our things and in our relationships and all that we've obtained in life. I don't need God's love because I have everything I need in this earth. Read an article recently that a new tomb was discovered in Egypt from thousands of years ago where the king who was buried there brought all of his possessions with him and kept them in this tomb. And the idea was that when he was in the afterlife, he would get to have all of this stuff there in the afterlife. And guess what? 3,500 years later, guess what we found? All his stuff. There's nothing that lasts forever. We may think we don't need God's love, but that's the only thing that is eternal. That's the only thing we truly need compared to everything else that will grow rusty or it will wilt or it will die or it will fade away. Everything else is temporary. God's love lasts forever. And some of us reject his love because of our routine. See, at one point in time, we were, we were full of God's love. We'd believed it. We'd accepted it. 
we, we'd, we'd grown so, so happy with it and it fueled us to do wonderful things and we believed it like we'd never believed anything else before. But somewhere along the line, we'd forgotten that God's love was given to us because he wants to have a relationship with us. And so now we've just drifted into routine and we do all of the things that, that look like they love God just because I'm supposed to do them. We'll open up our Bible and read it every morning because we're supposed to do them. We'll post pictures of our devotionals on Instagram because people expect to see that from us. We'll come into church and while worship's happening, we'll raise our hands at the crescendo of the song because everybody knows I do that every time and if they don't, they'll think something's wrong with me and my love for God has nothing to do with it in the moment, just my image because I've drifted into routine. God's love comes into this world and he wants to upset and interrupt the routine that we've had. God's love entered this world through the womb of a virgin. She wasn't planning on having a baby. If she wanted a baby, she would have made arrangements, if you know what I mean. And God says, I don't care. I'm going to come in and I'm going to upset the plans of the world with my love. And sometimes that's what happens. And some of us, our lives look like they've been upset. They're shaky and they're crazy and they're wild right now. We're saying, what is my world coming to? And God says, I'm bringing my love into your life. So you'll get knocked out of your routine. And if it causes you to lose some things in the midst of it, that's okay because they won't last forever anyway. But what does is his love. And so rather than reject it, we can receive it. We can receive his love. And, and when we receive his love, it does a couple things to us. It changes us. It changes us. I'm not going to say that receiving God's love makes our lives better. That's never something you will hear us say. In fact, there are times that I want to say to someone, if you're going to believe in Jesus, I'm going to punch you in the gut because life may get very difficult for you very soon. And you're going to question whether or not God's with you. And you're going to need to know that no matter what happens in your life, he's still alive. He's still real and he's still true. So when I say God's love changes us, I'm not saying that it makes our lives better, but I can tell you this. When I received God's love, it made me better. It changed me. And, and very often the thing that is making our lives worse is the fact that we need God to change us. We need God to come in and upset what we've got going on so he can make us new and receiving his love will do that. Something else his love does to us when we receive it is that it charges us. It fills us up with a motivation to not only love him, but to love other people. And when we're presented with the reality that God loved me so much that he gave his only son, how can I not feel motivated to then love the people around me in a similar fashion? But we must receive his love. And we can do that in a couple of ways. Some of us, we need to respond to his love by believing in his son, Jesus. We know that every week there are people who come into Renaissance who don't have faith in Jesus. And maybe you were dragged here by a friend, a coworker, uh, someone that you love. Maybe you wandered in here by walking past on the street and thought, what's going on in that place with all those 
people. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you don't know what to do about anything else, but you think that maybe this church or this God thing might have an answer. You just haven't fully accepted the fact that Jesus is true and alive. First, for those of you who are here, I want to say thank you so much for coming. We're honored that you would join us here. In fact, so much of what we do is built around trying to help people who don't have faith to feel comfortable here so that they might experience the truth and love of Jesus. But I want to suggest this to you as you're, as you're maybe wrestling with these things and wondering, is this, is this true? Did, was Jesus born of a virgin? Is he really the son of God? Is he really special? The Bible tells us that we can respond to his love by simply believing in him. He makes it pretty easy for us. Just believe and he gives eternal life. Some of us in the room, many of us in the room, I would guess, have already responded to God's love by believing in him and have experienced it for a long time. But maybe we have drifted into routine so that it's no longer a part of our lives. Or maybe we haven't drifted into routine and everything is going fine. Those of us in that place, what we need to do with God's love is consistently remember it. Because there are distractions all around us that would take our mind off the truth that God loves me. And when life gets difficult or my day gets stressful, it's easy to, to get grumpy and angry and pushy with other people. But when I come back and remember that God loves me, that changes everything. The band is gonna return in a few moments. And when they do, we are going to have an opportunity to receive God's love because we'll be singing to him songs of worship. We'll be, we'll be singing to him prayers. We'll, we'll be focusing our attention on him. And in that time, some of you will want to respond to his love by believing in Jesus. And if that's true, we will have people out this door in the back or in the hallway that we call the gallery. We'll have people out there stationed to pray with you and talk to you about that. Some of us, though, will need to consider how we need to start remembering God's love in every area of our life. Tomorrow or this Tuesday or whenever it is, maybe today when you begin to open gifts with friends and family and, and you've, you've torn off the wrapping paper and tossed it aside, every moment of that exchange, every, every shared hug, every thank you, every you're welcome can be this small reminder that God has given us the gift of his love through his son, Jesus. We need to re receive his love by remembering that he's given it to us. If, if nothing in my life ever goes good again, I can always look back on that moment where God entered this world through the womb of a virgin named Mary and proved his love for us by growing into a man who willingly gave his life for our sakes. Would you pray with me? Lord, I am so thankful that you have given us the gift of your love in your son, Jesus. I ask that as we uh, begin to sing about that today, that you would help some of us who don't believe it to believe it. And maybe there are some of us in the room who really want to believe, but are struggling with unbelief. Lord, help our unbelief. 
Lord, I pray for those of us in the room who find it really easy to forget how much you love us. I pray that you would help us to remember. Lord, what you truly want for us is that we would receive the free gift of your love, and we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that that as difficult as that seems for some of us, nothing is impossible with you. So we place ourselves before you and we say, here we are. Thank you for the gift of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicator.org backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.